This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee. The governor's in Jacksonville today to announce he's lifting some of the restrictions imposed during the pandemic beginning on Monday. We're in phase one now. During phase two, people from vulnerable populations would still be asked to self-isolate, but groups of up to 50 people would be permitted as long as they practice social distancing. Phase two would also allow increased restaurant capacity, as well as the reopening of gyms, bars, and even schools. Monday's also a big day in South Florida. That's when Miami-Dade and Broward counties will relax their stay-at-home orders and begin reopening businesses. They are the last counties in the state to enter what is known as Phase 1 of the Grand Florida Reopening. Today on Sunrise, another deep dive into the state workers' compensation system. It's been a nightmare for workers trying to file a claim, and an attorney with the National Employment Law Project says it's doing exactly what it was designed to do. Save money for business by making the unemployment system so frustrating that people decide it's simply not worth the effort. We'll also have your daily calendar of events and check in with two Florida men. One is a pro-Trump congressman who unknowingly filed a bill that could hurt the president. The other is a 36-year-old who wanted to fight with a child. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, May 15th. First, the numbers. The latest report from the health department shows more than 43,000 cases of coronavirus in Florida and 1,948 fatalities. Governor Ron DeSantis says the last two counties in Florida that are still under a stay-at-home order are about to enter phase one of the reopening. Today, we take another important step for a very important part of the state of Florida. Uh, Some of our absolute best economic engines are in communities throughout South Florida. And so we have been consulting with Mayor Jimenez here in Miami-Dade, Mayor Dale Holness in Broward, the administrators in both counties, and other local uh, officials to uh, plot a way forward. And so today, I'll be signing, or I have signed, an executive order uh, that grants the request from both Miami-Dade and Broward to move them into phase one of the reopening for the state of Florida. Miami-Dade and Broward are the epicenter of the pandemic in Florida. They've had a total of more than 20,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and more than 800 fatalities combined. But the governor says the situation is improving. Even though they had to face the most significant epidemic in the state of Florida, uh, they flattened the curve. Uh, Their hospitals were never overwhelmed. In fact, they had uh, a lot of space throughout most of this period. um, And they are ready to move to phase one. Now, Dade and Broward both submitted plans uh, that that I've approved. They're not going to have identical approaches in every respect. And I think that that makes sense because even though we can look at Southeast Florida from the vantage point of other parts of Florida as being kind of a unique region, everyone who's down here knows there's a big difference between Broward and Miami-Dade. They're very diverse places. And so they're not going to have the exact same approach on everything. But they are collaborating and coordinating on key issues that will affect uh, both counties and will affect the southeast region. So I think that that is the appropriate approach. Miami-Dade's mayor, Carlos Jimenez, says the reason they can start reopening now is that most people have been following the guidelines for social distancing and wearing masks while out in public. On Monday, May 18th, certain specific non-essential businesses that were closed by executive order due to the COVID-19 will begin to reopen here in Miami-Dade. And I really have to express my gratitude to the people of Miami-Dade County and their discipline. It's really because of you we're able to take this step. We're now ready to start reviving our economy. Our new normal guide sets very specific safety rules and capacity limits 
for a wide range of businesses that will be allowed to reopen. Miami-Dade uh, County's new normal guide includes a clear, color-coded system for letting everyone know the level of caution they need to take when going about their daily activities. This system looks a lot like the travel advisories that we have all come to trust and rely on since 9-11 with a couple of added layers of security precautions. On Monday, we will be ready to advance to the yellow stage of our new normal. This will include the limited openings of non-essential businesses and facilities such as restaurants, warehouses, manufacturing, office buildings, and a specific list of small businesses. Want to make it abundantly clear that we're not, we're not talking about opening all businesses yet. On Monday, we will not be opening spa, uh, spas, bars, gyms, and unfortunately back there are beaches. We will, all, will not be opening movie theaters, bowling alleys, pools, tattoo shops, or massage parlors. On Monday, however, we will be opening up many other businesses. For the general public, the new normal rules at non-essential businesses look very similar to what we've been doing when you go out in the past, uh, for the past two months to pick up your groceries or medicines at a pharmacy. You will still need to practice social distancing of at least six feet, wear face coverings on your mouth and nose when indoors, wash your hands frequently. You must take personal responsibility and follow the rules. Everyone must assume that they are asymptomatic carriers of the virus and could be passing it on to other people without even knowing about it. Broward County Mayor Dale Holness says their reopening rules are similar to the ones in Miami-Dade, but not identical. Mayor Jimenez has covered a lot of the things that is in our plan also. It tracks pretty similarly, but not exactly. Uh, for example, we're going to allow homeowners association and apartment complexes to have their gyms open, uh, but in a limited way with, again, the caution that we have utilized over time to get us to where we are. On the issue of beaches, the consensus from our mayors on our call yesterday was that we wait until at least the 26th before we do any opening of the beaches. And in our conversation with Mayor Jimenez, uh, we agree that it's best that we do it together as a region. If we open one section of, of the beach or one uh, uh, city and the others are not open, then we'll have a crowd in and, and get back to where we were, not where we want to be. So. Our conversation will continue uh, that we work together across boundaries and really people don't see one anyway. Uh, most people don't know that there's a, a difference between uh, Miami and Broward County because there's no line that you, you cross over. There's no checkpoints. Uh, if someone gets uh, ill in Miami, it will come to Broward with this COVID-19. It do doesn't know any boundaries. So we must continue to work together in order to ensure that we continue this downward spiral that we have seen. At one point, we we're up to 242 tests positive in a day in Broward County. We're able to get down to as low as 21 in the last couple of days. So we are definitely on the right track, on the right pathway to get to where we need to go so we can get back to where we can work together to bring prosperity to all the people of South Florida. It's going to be a long, hard haul for us to revive the economy to where we were before with a 2.6% uh, unemployment rate in Broward County. But again, we're going to have to do this together across any lines that there might be, whether it be the county of, of, of Dade, Miami-Dade or Palm Beach. We are one region and we'll benefit from working together as one community. After visiting South Florida Thursday, the governor is in Jacksonville today, where he will announce the rest of the state will be entering phase two of the recovery on Monday, which is good news for anyone with a gym membership. 
you know, you had certain guidelines that CDC put out, and they think that gyms were like a problem, so that's why they were closed. I think if you do sanitation, first of all, this is a virus that if you're in good shape, you're probably going to be okay. So why would we want to dissuade people from going to be in shape? So we're going to have an announcement on that. But I think it's really important that people have access to gym and to different exercise. The, the data on this is overwhelming. So let's, let's tell people to get out, do those things. That's one of the reasons why I always promoted outdoor activity. A lot of people said, oh my gosh, how could you have people golf or do this or do that? The fact of the matter is, outdoors is our friend. Um, you know, getting out and doing things there, the transmission is much more efficient in enclosed environments. So Florida has nice weather. We should take advantage of that. We have, you know, we've had golf courses running uh, outside of Southeast Florida the whole time. The villages, the retirement community in Central Florida, they had like record tee sheets and they haven't, there's zero people from the villages in that UF hospital in the villages right now. So clearly you can be active and be safe. There's no problem doing that. So, but we're gonna have an announcement that's gonna encompass the gyms. Phase two will also allow bars to reopen and restaurants will be able to use more of their available seating instead of being limited to 25% capacity. As he travels across the state, Governor DeSantis keeps saying Florida's unemployment compensation system is being repaired. But is it really? Next up, another deep dive on what is looking more and more like the ultimate Florida foobar. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. Florida Hospital Association members are safe, ready, and equipped to care for all Floridians. As our hospitals resume elective procedures, ensuring the safety and well-being of our patients, employees, and communities remains our first priority. Contact your local healthcare provider for information on visitation policies, access restrictions, and how to get needed care safely. Please visit the Florida Hospital Association at fha.org slash COVID for more information. Welcome back to Sunrise. Each time he holds a press conference to talk about COVID-19, the governor has to deal with questions about the failure of Florida's unemployment compensation system. And you can always count on Ron DeSantis to put a positive spin on the numbers. This is what he said Thursday in Miami-Dade. The state of Florida has now paid out $1.8 billion since the pandemic hit. Uh, since Monday morning, uh, there have been 53,575 new unique claimants that have been processed and paid, and there were 356,776 payments made uh, just this week uh, alone, and we're obviously going to have more uh, going on uh, this, this weekend. What the governor does not talk about is the huge number of claims that are being rejected, approximately 38% classified as ineligible, and good luck trying to find out why. Dr. Rich Templin with the Florida AFL-CIO says that is not a glitch of the system, it is a feature. During the recession of 2008, the unemployment insurance trust fund uh, was under a lot of pressure. The way the law works is when that trust fund is under pressure, it requires an adjustment, an increase, and insurance premiums to the business community. In this case, the business community went to the legislature and asked for a waiver year after year after year. By 2009, 2010, the trust fund was insolvent. It was bankrupt. And so newly elected Governor Rick Scott and the legislature hit upon an interesting idea. Rather than raise premiums on businesses, let's simply slow the flow of benefit payouts to a trickle so that we can build up that fund. 
And that's exactly what they've done. Over the last 10 years, our system has been one of the worst in the nation when it comes to benefit eligibility, uh, benefit amounts, uh, length of time that people can collect those benefits. Now we've come across this, this period of time where we're in an economic collapse of, of a new variety, much worse, much more severe. And we are seeing every day that that system is just not up to the task. It's important to remind everyone that the unemployment insurance system was set up as business insurance. It was set up to put resources into the hands of workers in times of high unemployment so that they can continue participating in their local economies and keep more businesses from collapsing. That is not happening. Right now there was over $4 billion in that trust fund and that money is not able to go out the door properly because of the legal changes, the law changes that were made in 2011. Michelle Evermore is an attorney with the National Employment Law Project. She says Florida's system was designed to find any way possible to deny legitimate claims. She says it's working, which means it barely works at all. By all measures I've seen, Florida's claims processing since the pandemic is dead last. This was a system actively designed to discourage workers from applying for benefits and so workers were made to navigate a confusing application process designed to cut them mm -hmm. off at every point. First quarter of last year, only 8.3% of unemployed workers in Florida were able to get a benefit, the worst in the United States for that quarter. And the annual rate of around 10% is, is among the bottom two states. That's stunningly irresponsible. Around 49% of workers exhausted benefits before finding employment last year, also dead last among the states. Unfavorable audits of Florida's Connect system are nothing new. The system has failed audits since it was launched in 2013. But even before that, due to the underlying system's hideous record, NELP filed a formal complaint against the state system to the Department of Labor. And the Department of Labor's Civil, Civil Rights Division came back and said that the system needed serious reform but to date it's still inaccessible and discriminatory. And this isn't just the computer's fault. Uh, Massachusetts and New Mexico modernized their, their computer systems in a consortium with Florida's and those systems are paying out benefits. The programming is based on an underlying political structure that revolves around denying benefits anytime it is remotely possible. What happens under a denial focused system is that it pinches benefits off at, 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 at every turn. Floridians deserve better in normal times, but in these extraordinary times, immediate action is needed as a matter of public safety. State officials have already spent more than $200 million slapping Band-Aids on the system, but they insist there's no money to rebuild it and make one that actually works. The thing is, there was. Twice in the past 20 years, the feds offered Florida $400 million to modernize the unemployment system. Karen Woodall with the Florida Center for Fiscal and Economic Policy says it never happened. Florida has had two funded opportunities to modernize our unemployment insurance system. Back in the early 2000s, under the Reed Act, the state was sent, along with every other state in the country, $400 million to modernize our unemployment insurance system. There were no requirements on modernizing to get that money. So Florida took the money and did nothing to improve the unemployment insurance system. Later, during the recession, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act was passed and another $400 million was made available 
to states to continue to modernize their unemployment insurance system. However, this time there was criteria tied to it. And some of that criteria, you had to adopt the alternative-based system, and then you had to adopt several other provisions that expanded eligibility for low-wage workers. Florida walked away from that $400 million, refusing to do any of the modernization efforts. Floridians laid off during the pandemic are now finding out exactly how bad the system really is. Yvette Cruz is a food service worker in Orlando. She was laid off in March and has tried to file several times. My concern right now is getting my mortgage paid because I have until June 1st to pay March, April, and May. If I don't pay it, I'm going to get a foreclosure or I'm going to be out in the street. I worked so hard to have my house. Right now, my concern is the money for the unemployment system. I feel that the system is corrupted. It doesn't work. They're doing this on purpose so we could get frustrated. There has been times that I've gotten frustrated and I wanted to give up, but I said I can't because I don't want to be in the street. Thomas Spellman is a first-year apprentice doing construction work in Plant City, where at least he used to be. He's applied for unemployment three times and has yet to see a dime. I applied March 22nd and I was denied April 27th with no reason given. Uh, When I did finally reach somebody on the phone, all they told me was they couldn't tell me why I was ineligible. So they told me to reapply. So I reapplied on April 27th, and then I just recently reapplied again. And I can't get in contact with anybody on the phone. Nobody answers the numbers, and the numbers that they give you, you know, don't work. They always tell you that nobody's available to answer. Um, I do have a baby on the way, expecting any day now. It's been tough being on one income, but right now we're on no income. It's very frustrating. You can't contact anybody. You know, I've emailed the governor, no response. You know, I've sent countless emails with no response, countless phone calls. Um, So it's been tough. Uh, The state has failed me, has failed us. Uh, The system has failed us. And a lot of people are paying for this right now, and it's, it's very aggravating. But for all the bad-mouthing of the current system, you have to admit it works as designed. Businesses have not seen an increase in their unemployment taxes. The irony is that unemployment was never really for workers. It was about business. Those unemployment payments don't go into savings accounts or investment portfolios. They pay for housing, food, utilities, the basics. And if people cannot pay their bills, business suffers and the economy stumbles. Perhaps one day the suits who run our state will remember who actually built it. Your calendar of events begins with the Board of Physical Therapy. They're meeting by conference call at 8. The Developmental Disabilities Council meets online at 845. The Board of Osteopathic Medicine meets by conference call at 9. The Nominating Commission for the 4th Judicial Circuit will interview candidates for an open judgeship in Duval County. That's at 930. And today is the deadline for lobbying firms to file reports about their compensation during the first quarter of the year. And it's time once again to check in with Florida Man. We've got two stories for you today. A Florida man who's one of Donald Trump's biggest supporters in Congress has filed a bill that could ban the president's re-election campaign from spending money at Trump-owned businesses. Representative Greg Stubbe was trying to troll his colleague, Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, when he filed the Obstructing Monetary Allocations to Relatives, or OMAR Act. It's a shot at Omar, who has steered nearly $600,000 to a company owned by a consultant that she ended up marrying. But the Daily Beast reports that the language of Stubbe 
Comey's legislation would very likely bar Trump campaign payments to Trump businesses as well. And the congressman's office could not come up with an explanation for that. Finally, a Florida man is accused of assaulting a young boy while yelling at the child to fight him like a man. Deputies in Santa Rosa County say 36-year-old Jimmy Ray Jones of Milton was beating a woman when a young boy ran into the room and began yelling at the man to let her go. According to the incident report, Jones grabbed the boy's arms, dragged him into a bedroom, and demanded the child fight him like a man. He's charged with battery and cruelty toward a child. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.